let me share this with you. And I don't normally do this, but I want to share this right at the beginning because maybe you can seek the Lord and you can ponder the Lord on this. And again, I don't know where to look when I share this because I, the only time that I've come to you guys to say, would you put extra money in, is at Christmas, right? And then we talk about the offerings and all that sort of time. And I don't want to be a church, I don't want to be a pastor that says every week, right, come on, let's get our wallets out, we've got to pay for this, we've got to pay for that. However... I felt very strongly in my spirit that I needed to bring this to you this week because I, I feel that there's some of you that want to help towards this. Certainly me and Jen want to help towards this problem and to, for the kingdom of God. Is that we have had an issue with, firstly, we have had an issue with heating upstairs and we've had some of the issues with heating in here and we've solved some of the heating problems in here. But what I want to bring an appeal to you about is that I'll give you the price in a minute. But I want us to try and get a heat. Well, we're going to do this. God's our source. But I'm, I'm just believing that some of you might want to be aboard. Upstairs, we're going to get heating. We're going to get hot water and hot water downstairs. Yeah, there should be a bigger cheer than that. If you have worked in those kitchens, you know that we have struggled with hot water. And if we're going to continue to do the vision and move forward and help the people that we want to help, we've got to have hot water. And when Jen kicks me out at night, I've got to have hot water when I'm staying in the office. She's never, ever kicked me out. She loves me. She loves me. That's what love does, you know. You get to stay on the couch. No, I've never stayed on the couch. I'm, I'm digging myself a hole now. So anyway, we want to put heating upstairs. We want to put extra heating in the lounge area. We want to put an extra capacitator or something that's bigger in the boiler that allows us to pump out a bit more heat to make sure it circulates a little bit better. And we're going to go for this, whatever, because God is our source. But I felt very strongly that God said to me, I just need to bring it to the church. So let me give you the price. And what I want to give you the price for, because I want you to seek the Lord, is there any way that possibly that you'd want to give to this? If you don't, I'm not going to beat you up on the door. I'm not going to send the offering basket around again and say, well, do you know what? We're still short. I'm just going to mention it once, and that's now. That if you want to give to it, over the next few weeks, we'll have an extra box or a basket at the front. Um, there's also the standing orders that you can pay. And if you do pay by standing order, just would you put in the reference that it's towards the new heating. And this is the figure. And I haven't made this figure up, and this figure came in last night, nice and fresh. If I can find it now. Here we go. So write this figure down. Write this figure down. £4,212. Is that expensive? Everything's expensive when you haven't got it. But to help facilitate the vision, to help move things forward, to help keep our kids warm, to have hot water when we're doing food, I don't think that's a big price to pay. What I do know is, is God is our source. So maybe you could seek him, maybe you could just say, Lord, is there anything that I could help to contribute towards this on top of my normal giving? And that's me. All I want you to do is go away and pray about that. And, and if God doesn't speak, don't do anything about it. If he does speak, do something about it. You know. And I'll put the extra offering basket or box out over the next couple of weeks. And that's me. I'm not going to sell it to you anymore. Shall we look at the word of God together? If you've got your Bibles, would you turn to Matthew 5, 14 to 16? So now this is my preaching time. That wasn't on my preaching time, okay? 
So reset that five or six minutes because that isn't my preaching time. We're starting right now. So Matthew 5, 14 to 16. We've said this and we've read this a number of times. You know that our theme for the year is being a city on a hill. Being light in the darkness. A light that won't go out. A light that won't be put under a, a shade. A light that won't... A light that brings change to the community and the city that we live in. So here we go. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. May God add his blessing unto his word. I want to ask you this week, over the last number of weeks, I've been talking about as being a city on a hill, being light in the darkness. Let me ask you something really personal. How have you got on this week being light in the darkness? How have you got on this week being a city on a hill? Because this isn't just about the church being a city on a hill, being light in the darkness. This is about us being a city on a hill, being light to the darkness. How have you got on? In fact, let me change that question a little bit and put it this way. If you've not heard my previous messages, please go online and hear those messages. Firstly, answer it this way. How did you get on this way looking out for your community or your city? How did you get on this week praying for your community or your city? How did you get on this week speaking life into your community or your city? How did you get on this week pouring blessing? into your community, into your city. You see, when I ask the question that way, it brings it a little bit closer to home, doesn't it? See, those things that I've mentioned, that's what I'm talking about as being a city on a hill, being light in the darkness. Are we looking out? Are we praying? Are we speaking? Are we blessing our community and our city? Those things that I've mentioned, that's what it means to be a city on a hill. To really bring out the light in the darkness. It's great actually. And if this is happening, I want you to text me. I want you to email me. I want you to pass me a note that how God has been using you over the last number of weeks. I'm hearing testimonies how you've been light in the darkness. How you gave that thing to that person and how that person responded. Or you managed to pray for that person around the frozen peas in Little. I love praying around the frozen peas in Little. They're the most anointed veg that we've ever had in this city. But how have you got on sharing the light of Jesus? And I want to hear those testimonies. Why do I want to hear those testimonies? Because testimonies are powerful. I want you to talk about those testimonies between yourselves. I want to bring those testimonies to the pulpit so that we can share. Somebody sent me a message and said, you know, this light stuff. My wife has been retired a few years now. But it's interesting as we walk in the street, how many people come up to us and say, do you remember when? Do you remember when? When we came into your shop and we didn't have enough money and you just said, okay, I'll put it in for you. Or they came into the shop not knowing what to do for their granddaughter or whatever and you gave them the advice that they needed. Uh, She's been retired a few years now, but that's the light of Jesus shining out of you. You might think it's your job, but actually no. Your job might be just to say, you can have that, boosh. To actually say hello to somebody, to actually welcome somebody, to put your hand, your arms around somebody. That's sharing the light of Jesus. It's great hearing those testimonies. Please do me a favour. Please keep sharing the testimonies among you, but also please get the testimonies back to me. Like, I don't know when you're ill. I don't know when you're poorly or if you need a visit from me. Sometimes 
I don't know the testimonies that are going in on your life and what's happening and how God is using you. And he's not using me. Yes, he is. But I'm talking about he's using you. People think that because I'm the pastor, he'll use me and I'm the one that's anointed to get this task done and nobody else can hear from God and I see him spectacularly. I do. But it doesn't mean that you can't. It doesn't mean that you can't see testimonies and live and be... So please keep telling me. In fact, I want to remind you of this of the bigger, bigger vision and some of the things that I shared the other week. I, I want to remind you, and I'm re-emphasizing, this church needs you. In fact, this church probably needs you more than it needs me. But I'm here to play my part. I'm here to guide and lead and, and open our eyes to the possibilities of what God can do. But this church needs you. It needs that thing that you have to offer. I don't know what it is. Maybe you make cakes. That should, this church certainly needs you making cakes. You can never have enough cake. But what is that thing that you get to offer? What is that thing that you get to do that you can do that nobody else can do in this place? Now, don't hear me wrong here. I'm not going to be saying get on with everything that you want to do. So it's chaos. There's got to be order. But I believe that the thing that you carry, the thing that you do can help the bigger vision of this church. But I want to talk about this as well, that that's you individually. I want to remind you, firstly, that we need you at this church, and together, we can do it. Together, we have everything that we need. Together, we can do it. You know what together means? It means nobody's left behind. It means everybody is celebrated. It means everybody is encouraged and built up. Don't just say, oh, you're left out. Everybody. Everybody. And, and I want to reassure you, we need you at this church. I need you at this church. And it's not always about the pulpit ministry. Some of you won't know, but how do our toilets get cleaned? How does our kitchen get cleaned? How does the rubbish disappear? How do we run our food? Some of you won't know how these things work, but there's people in the church giving their time and volunteering and being part of that. Why? Because they believe in something bigger and better. Is anybody still with me this morning? So well done for what you're doing. Keep doing it. If you're not doing it, it's time to step up. We are strong together. Together we can do this. A number of weeks ago, I talked about where we're trying to go as a church this year. One of those things was I, that I mentioned that I wanted to look and see what it looked like for us to church to, for as a church to really, really grow. I want to grow in numbers, and I want to talk about that in a minute. But I want you to grow. You remember I spoke about those five elements in our life, those five tanks, those five things that we try and work around in, in the ministry of New Springs. Let me remind you what they were. That we are interested in your physical being or your physical tank. We're interested in your social life your, or your social tank that builds you up. We're we want to be involved in your emotional part of you, the, the mental side of you. And most importantly, we want to build your spiritual side up. And the whole ethos of New Springs is somehow we've got to work those five elements in your lives. Because if we work those five elements, we'd be a better people. And we're trying to work on those. And that's some things we're looking for this next year is how I can grow you in those areas. But I really want to look at what it looks like for us to grow as a church. We're this church that's 50 to 70, 70 to 85, back to 50 to 60 to 
And I'm saying, Lord, what does it look like for us to be well over that 70, to be well over that 100 for our first goal on a regular basis? Now, this isn't about me saying, oh, I can just say how big our church is. See, the end of this verse talks about that everybody will spring praise on your heavenly father. This is about a testimony for the heavenly father. When I came to this church, this church was a great church, but this church needed to change. A lot of pain and a lot of stuff had happened to this church. And we were hanging on by our fingernails. And we've moved on and we've changed and we, we, we're growing. But I believe God wants us to grow so much more in, in our number. And when we look at growth as a church, I want to be looking at the numbers, which then grows our ministries. In fact, looking at our reach, how great is our reach? In growing, how many that we see saved and transformed in this place? It's no good us just having a lovely service and at the end of it just saying that was nice, wasn't it? If we're going to do that, you might as well just come to my house and we'll do that and we'll have some food and then you can go home. But we're here for something greater. To see men and women transformed, to see them give their lives to Jesus. That's what I want to see growth in. You know that film? Have you ever seen that film with Kevin Costner in The Field of Dreams? Some of you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. Others have. If you haven't seen it, it's all right. I wouldn't go and bust a gut going to buy it, but it's all right. But basically, in this film, the big thing in this film is he's in the middle of nowhere, and he's a bit of a washed-up baseball player, and he has this dream in his head, and he keeps seeing this dream, that if he builds it, they will come. He's talking about building this baseball field in the middle of nowhere. And if they build it, they will come. Turns out they started to come. They started to come. I want to flip that a little bit. It's the days have gone when we can open our church doors and say, ta-ta, we're here. And we expect everybody to come in. There was a time many, many years ago we did open our church doors and people went to church because that was the norm or they got sent to church for Sunday school or or the church was the hub of community. But in 2020, we can't be arrogant to think that if we just open our church doors, they're going to come. It's not like the field of dreams where if we build it, they will come. And this is what's important where I believe in, in our growth. That we've got to understand what it means to have an invite culture in this place. Let me explain that just a little bit for you. I think we do great when we've got specials on. Let's get some people out for Christmas. Let's get people out for Easter. We do great at that. Or we've got this special singer coming or this comedian. What does it look like for us to have the culture of invite week in and week out, week in and week out, week in and week out? Over the next number of weeks, I'm going to unpack what it looks like to be part of that invite culture. Where it's part of our DNA. Where it's part of what we are and what we believe. And, and this verse that's up is still very much part of it. Because if we have an invite culture, we should be sharing the light of Jesus. We should be this city on a hill. And I'll explain why we should invite people in, in a moment. When I was at Bible college... Back in 2004, I did a study what it looked like for the church to be out of the community. We live in a world, don't we, where 
We don't want the school. We don't want God in our schools anymore. So we don't say prayers anymore. We we don't want God in this. We don't want God in that. In fact, we don't want the presence of the church. That's the world that we live in. And I did this study that when the church removed itself from the community, when it pulled out from the community, that community, that city, went down the pan. Went down the pan. Very quickly, as soon as that church was removed, all business, all education, all shops, people's lives, straight down. However, I looked at the communities that had the church right at the center of their communities and their cities, and those cities and those communities were thriving. There's something in the church being central to our community, being the hub of our community. And I want to share this with you. This is passionately on my heart that New Spring City Church is here to make a difference in the community and the city, to be the hub of the community and the city, to bring life to this community and to the city. If we forget that we're here for that, and that's all wrapped up in Jesus being the light and being a city on a hill, if we forget what we're here for, we might as well pack up and go home. But New Springs Church, and when I talk about New Springs Church, I am not talking about the building. I'm talking about you. You are New Springs Church. I am New Springs Church. We are the church. That we are not shrinking back. That we are going to be hub of this community, whatever that means. That's why we're involved in so many things. Not so I can say, look at what we do. Because trust me, there's some things I'd like to lay down because it would make my life easier. And your life's easier. But God has told us to press on, move forward. That we need to be a hub. That we need to be life to this city and to this community. And we do that through our ministries. And that's you. That's you. But I'm praying that this area thrives Because this church is here. I can't speak for any other churches. But this community, this city thrives because of New Springs. New Springs as in the people being city on a hill, being people of light, bringing change and transformation for the power of Jesus. Is it only me that's excited this morning? Because as a church, that's what we offer. When we're full of Jesus, that's what we offer. Something alternative to the norm. There's many, many people who are getting up and doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. But something's got to change in their lives. God, Jesus, the church is the answer to that. If you want to do something new in your life, if you want to reset and have a new start, get to your local church. Be part of the local church. I'm excited this morning. Can you tell? See, one day, if we like it or not, we will face, come face to face with Jesus. We'll all pass away. And I am on a mission. I am determined that by the time that I pass away, that New Springs City Church will have made a difference in the city and the community that it lives in. That's you. That's you that's made a difference. That we have left this place where we're here for so long. Such a small time, we've left it in a better place than when we found it. That we're actually leaving legacy. I don't care in 50 years' time, 100 years' time, if they remember my name and the church is a different name, but the legacy has continued. The legacy. 
Why? Because we will be hub and light, a city and a hill for this community, making a difference. If we're going to see this church grow in number, we have to intentionally work on our invite culture. The invite culture has to be in our DNA. In fact, it's got to be a major part of our culture. I want to just put that first slide up, the stats. This is the truth. This is the reality. 82% of unchurched people will likely attend church if we invited them. 82%, that's staggering. This is done, this is recognised by Barna, who, remember I told you the other week, there's a guy called Barna who, who analyses churches and analyses systems to help them be better. But interestingly enough, and this is the scary fact, 2% of unchurched people offer invitations, of church people offer invitations. That's scary. Are you part of the 2%? I don't know where to look. Are you part of the 2%? You're all going to say you are, but are you really part of the 2% where you're trying to invite people to come along to church? 82% of unchurched people will likely attend if we invited them. I want us to catch something very quickly this morning. If this church grows... One, we've got to play our part. Two, it's down to the Lord. Let me quantify that a little bit. Firstly, I honestly believe we have to play our part in doing what we can to be light, be a city on a hill, inviting, encouraging people to come to this place. In fact, this is what it says, Paul says. We are part... Wrong verse, sorry. This is what Paul says, and I don't know exactly where it is, but it says... Paul says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered the seed, but it was down to God to make the seed grow. We are Pauls. We're Apollos. We plant, we water the seed, we bring seed, but it's God who allows this place to grow and allows it to grow in people's lives. We've got to be on board in the invite culture. And I'll explain a little bit more why we need to be on board. You see, I honestly believe this, that when it comes to inviting people, it's got to be more than inviting people for Easter, for Christmas or for whatever. To see this church grow, we need to invest in people's lives. We need to extend our reach. What what do I mean by this? Well, this is what I mean. Firstly, we need to invest in people's lives. I want to ask you this in a a different way. How many non-believers, non-Christians do you have in your life? Well, none, Pastor. (laughs) Wrong answer. There's no way you're going to lead anybody or tell them about Jesus or we're going to see people come through here if you're not mixing in the circles of non-Christians, of non-believers. And maybe you're a non-believer this morning. Well, you're very welcome. How many non-Christian friends have you got? What is the reach that you have in being a city on a hill, in being light in the darkness? What is your reach? What is your capacity? Who is in your life? There's a scripture that talks about we're part of this world, but we're not of it, so we don't have to conform to everything that goes on. But we are called to be light and light in a city and a hill in the dark world. We can be, make a difference. We're called to do that. In fact, if you've got no 
non-Christian friends, this is what I will encourage you to do this morning. Get some. Join a gym. Go to a regular cafe. Join a snooker club. Join a football club. Join a knitting club. Join a craft club. Whatever club, whatever you want to do to get around non-Christians, get there. Why? Not so that you can learn knitting, which might be handy, or crochet, or whatever, or because you want to walk, because actually helps you invest and make friends for people. And now, you think I'm going to go on and say, right, yeah, and you must, you know when you go on that walk, beat them into submission, tell them about Jesus until they don't want to hear anymore. No, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you, invest in non-Christian friends. Why? Because I want you to build true relationships. I want you to build true friendships. This is important when it comes to the invite culture here. I want you to build proper friendships. Not a friendship where you're going to be my friend, but do you know what? Around the corner, I'm going to hoodwink you with the Bible. Be genuine friends. Be in genuine relationship. Invest in them. But this is what happens. When we invest, when we spend time, there will be a time you have the opportunity to share Jesus and invite them to church. But hear me right. The timing is always perfect. The timing has to be right. You need to seek the Holy Spirit and say, when is the time? You join that walking club and you get yourself to the front on the first day and you stop them and you pull them all together. Right! Let me tell you, I'm a Christian. I think you should tell them early on. And next Sunday, I want you, 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 you in church. Why? Because Jesus loves you. Ta-da! I'm trying not to play that down in a way. But do you know what I'm saying? Is that there is a time, very quickly, they need to know you're a Christian. Because the longer you leave it, the harder it gets. But there's also a right time to invite them to church. There's also a right time to tell them about Jesus. Do you know what? Do us a favour. Do the church a favour. Non-believers think we're nuts anyway. So let's try and not be nuts. Let's try and be normal. Let's just try and take people on a journey. Somebody said to me the other day, and they were trying to put me down. They said, uh, hey, you're part of the God Squad, aren't you? Hey, you're, you're a Bible basher. And I went, I don't know what I was supposed to do. Yeah, I am. I am part of the God Squad. I am a Bible basher. They kind of looked at me and went, uh. I said, where do you want to go with that? Because, yeah, I, I love Jesus. I'm part of the God Squad, and I'm not scared to talk about him. In fact, let's have a chat now. Uh. Uh, uh, we'll catch up later. Did you see that moonwalk? I'm not seamless. That's something Michael Jackson did. I, I just... <sighs> we need non-Christian friends. If we're going to see this place full, we need non-Christian friends that we need to connect with on an investment purpose. Do you know what? Oh, I know. You might end up buying lunch for this person. And you know what? They might not come to Jesus. 
Now, I am gutted about that, but we've got to be okay with that. We can never be okay with that, but you understand what I'm saying? Well, Judy, you don't understand. You must become a Christian. 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 All she wants to do is say, get lost in the nicest possible way. Come on. When we give our lives to Jesus, we don't have to be weird. Don't have to be singing come by R every time we go into the office. Unless you like singing come by R. It's okay to be normal. You know, if you're a carrier of Jesus, if you're carrying the light, funny enough, we don't have two heads. Let's not act like we've got two heads. You know when you've got to tell somebody off at work or that place that you're going, you've got to... This is something really radical now. Be kind. Well, I'm going to tell you, you are. That's Miss Reed just telling the kids. But be kind. Get alongside them. Build them up. Encourage them. So if you want to help with the invite culture at New Springs, get some non-Christian friends. Get in some non-Christian circles. Oh, Pastor, are you scared they're going to rub off on us? I hope they do. But more importantly, I hope we rub off on them. That Jesus rubs off. You know, we can learn a lot of stuff from our non-Christian friends. I've got some non-Christian friends that actually treat me better than Christians. I know. It's hard to believe, isn't it? That the ones that follow Jesus treat me worse than some of my non-Christian friends. Get some non-Christian friends if you want to help with the invite culture at New Springs. Increase your reach. And I want to ask you the question again, how many non-Christian friends have you got? It's not a trick question. It's not a trick question. But having non-Christian friends allows us to be a city in a hill, to be light in the darkness. doesn't sound like one of mine but I don't know they all sound the same but having non-Christian friends allows you to be a city and a hill light in the darkness it's not about them being a project or an agenda it's about just having true relationship relationships are up and down aren't they it means in the good we'll be with you but in the bad I'm going to walk with you and everything in between But there will be a time you need to tell them about Jesus. In fact, that timing has got to be key. So you've got to seek the Holy Spirit. Secondly, why do we need to invite people? And I want you to hear this very clearly. And I'm going to talk more about this over the the next number of weeks, about what it means to have this invite culture. And this is part of our DNA. We don't invite because it's about bums on seats. It's not about me getting bigger offerings and more money through the church. Oh, well, great, look, I've got more bums on seats and I've got more in the offering. Way. That isn't why we invite to church. That isn't why I'm asking you to get on board with inviting people to church. You see, this is what I understand. We get passionate about things, don't we? I'm getting very passionate this morning. And if you love that show on Netflix or whatever that show is, you tell somebody, don't you? Have you seen? Have you seen? 
What about that restaurant that you go to? Peter's found a, a beautiful restaurant next to where he lives. He talks about this restaurant. And he doesn't talk about the toilets that are leaky and the floor looks rubbish. And He's telling me that this guy is a master chef. He can cook any fish he can do. But do you know what that makes me feel? That makes me feel, oh yeah. I've got to take Jen to that restaurant. If we watch something or we go to a restaurant, we get passionate about it and we share it, don't we? Stick with me. If you have a great experience, generally you tell people about it, don't you? Church is no exception. Jesus is no exception to that. If you can talk about the other things, get passionate about your church. Get passionate about what you believe in Jesus. Because if you're passionate about your church, if you're passionate about Jesus, you'll talk about it. In fact, if you kept talking to me how great this church was and how great Jesus was, there's come a point in my life I'd be like, flipping it, just take me to this church. I'll tell you if it's great or not. But when it comes to Jesus and the church, it's no exception. We should be bragging on it. We should be bigging it up. We should be calling people to hear. Why do we invite... Why should we invite? This is the key. This is the one thing that probably you need to write down today. This is why we do it. This is why I want you to do it. So the ones, catch this, so the ones who mean the most to us will meet the one who means the most to us. Let me say that again. So the ones who mean the most to us will meet the one who means the most to us. Walking in alignment with Jesus is a game changer. It's a game changer. The key is walking in alignment with Jesus. There's so many things that we can do on our own. Great, we've got character, we've got whatever. But it's Jesus that changes things in our lives. (laughs) So the ones who mean the most to us will meet the one who means the most to us. Jesus. I want to show you this clip. This is why we invite. And this is why it's important that you get some non-Christian friends. Because you can't invite anybody if they're all saved. You can't invite anybody if they're... Because, can I just put this down very clearly? I'm not interested in transfer growth. Let Let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's say a church down the road, God forbid, closes down. And 50 people come here. It's great, isn't it? But then our numbers go from 60, 70 to over 100 because we've had these 50 people come from this church that shut down for whatever. Well, they've got to go somewhere. I'll get that. I'll take that. But I'm not interested in transfer growth. I'm interested in, in real, genuine growth. I'm interested in people starting the journey with Jesus. I'm not going to show you this video. For some reason, it's not coming up. And another week, I'll we'll show you this video. But the video talks about that we do this because we're in relationship. We do this because we want to invest in people's lives. We do this because we put value on people's lives. That's why we invite them. Why do I invite people to church? Because Jesus can make a difference. Why am I desperate to get my friends who, whose marriage is falling apart to church or get Jesus in? Because Jesus can change it in an instant. 
Let's look no further than Rob and Sheila to see how things can change when God gets right into the centre of your life. And he can do that. That's why we need to bring people to the church. Not so I can say, look at we've got more numbers. Look at that we've got more offerings and more tithes. So actually we can say that Jesus is almighty or powerful. It says in the scripture there, doesn't it? The one I read at the very beginning. So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. That's our end game. The people fall in love with Jesus and they praise the heavenly father. Not me, not you, not your ministry, the heavenly father. The spotlight needs to be removed off us and it needs to be put on him. Not that he needs the spotlight, it's always on him. But remove it off you and put it on him. Pointing to the cross. Put it on Jesus. And our good works and the things that we do. Keep reflecting off Jesus. You you heard me the other week saying that as light bearers, we reflect the light of Jesus. We are light because he gives us light. And we should reflect the light of Jesus. We are the city on a hill. A light that won't be put under, under a lampshade. This is why it's important that we invite people. What does it look like? Go on the journey with me. What does it look like? To see this place full on a regular basis. In fact, I believe God spoke to me a number of months ago last year saying, be prepared that we're going to have to put two services on on a Sunday morning. I'm like, huh? I am. I do encounter. And we've got, and I'm trying to check my spirit. Is this me on an ego check saying, oh, look, we're going to have two services. And I had to really strip it back and say, Lord, is this really you saying it? I felt God was saying, get ready. Get ready. Because there's not going to be enough space in this place for the people that are going to come. You're going to have to put two services. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know when that's going to be. But for me, that's us being a city on a hill, light in the darkness. Because when there's light in the darkness, you want to go and find the source, don't you? People would find their way here, finding the source of Jesus. I'm going to read the scripture that we started with again. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop. Let me go back. Very clearly, it starts with you. Get hold of that, you. Talking to you. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights up a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I love that part. It gives light to everyone in the house. We have to give light to everybody in this community, in this city. We have to give them the light. It's not just exclusive to some few. Well, you know that state's really rough. Let's bury that off. The light, light brings light to everybody. Can't exclude people because the light doesn't exclude people. Jesus doesn't exclude people. He gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let's remember it's all about Jesus. If we remember that it's all about Jesus, we won't go far wrong in this place. Would you come on a journey, what it looks like to have the invite culture in our DNA? When was the last time, one, you asked somebody or told somebody about Jesus, when was the 
the last time that you asked them to come to church. And I know I, I've really got to play my part in that. That if we're going to ask people to come to church, we've got to make sure that the experience is right for people. That they want to come back. I've got to make sure the experience is right that you want to come back. But I go back right to the beginning. Together we can do this. Here's the crazy thing. Let's say we all invited somebody next week and they all came. We've doubled our church. I'm not too, so naive to believe that that is the case either. But God is well able to do more than we can ever dream or imagine. Let me deal with this invite right at the end. If you know Jesus, help me. If you know Jesus, be a city on a hill, be light in the darkness. If you don't know Jesus, let me give you this invite. He invites you to invite him to be in your life, to be your saviour, to be everything that you need. And it starts with one prayer. He wants you to invite him in today. If you don't know Jesus, it is a leap of faith. You won't have all the answers. You can't just dip your toe in. You need to fully. But Jesus wants to invite you to invite him into your life. He won't barge his way in this morning. Maybe you need to know him. And if you do, come and see me after or talk to the person that you came with afterwards. Because the only way that we have eternal life is through Jesus. The only way we get acceptance to the Father is through Jesus. Not our good deeds. Not our good deeds help us play out to bring light to the Heavenly Father. But the only way we have eternal life, the only way that we've got life after death is by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Would you bow your heads? Father,